Hello, this is Tom Williams, and you are listening to Talk Theater in Chicago's Interview Podcast. Well, there is an unknown group of people to the general theater public who do so much to make the shows we see terrific shows. And my guest today is Noreen Heron, who is the head of Noreen Heron and Associates Public Relations Firm, one of the premier public relations firms in Chicago. Hello, Noreen. Thank you. Thank you for saying that, Tom. I'm so happy to talk to you today. Okay. Tell us what a publicist does. Well, I think if you ask a publicist, we'll say, what don't we do? Because in every way we're there uh, to support the cast of a production that we're representing. Primarily, our, our job is to gain exposure for a production, but ultimately, our, our main goal is to sell tickets. So everyone that's in the audience that night, we hope in some way we influence to be there. And so our job is to um, to get the press there, obviously, but to get people, influencers, talking about our productions, to uh, set up promotions with third parties to promote shows. Um, our, our main goal, as we always talk about, is to get people to take their credit card out and decide that something that we're representing is so hot that they have to see it. And so it's our job to create that kind of buzz about a production. Um, we work quite a bit to promote actors locally to their local newspapers, etc. Um, we create promotions and fun publicity stunts in some cases for shows. Uh, we, behind the scenes, uh, my agency particularly, we work to secure uh, ticket trades with uh, various newspapers and websites for slower performances so that we make sure we get people in to talk about it because ultimately word of mouth is what helps sell. Oh, that's not an area I wasn't aware of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good. So, and we also hear um, at, at uh, Heron, we have our own 50,000 person email newsletter list that goes out monthly to theater and dining enthusiasts. And so we spread the word about what our clients are, are working on. And we've worked very hard through the years here to develop that comprehensive list of people that want to hear about the arts. And so that is, uh, that's been a very constructive way to get the word out as well. A lot of people aren't aware of what you hit on is developing the anticipation for a show is so important uh, because uh, uh, where, there, where there's no buzz, we're not that interested. But, but you guys do a terrific job of creating that buzz ahead of time. Thank you for saying that. You know, for me, I grew up working in theater. I started working at Candlelight Dinner Playhouse when I was 14 years old. I worked there for 16 years. I left there to become the public relations director at Hyatt Regency Chicago. When I left Candlelight, I was in this little uh, utopia kismet of a world where we all loved theater and we saw on our nights off, if we had nights off, we went and saw other shows in town. And when I went to Hyatt, I realized that it was a special interest and that a lot of my coworkers really weren't that interested in theater the way that I had always been. And it really changed my mindset as to how do you get people into the theater. And meaning that, for instance, if I go to a wedding and I sit at a table with 10 people uh, and I say what I do, and I say I'm a theater publicist, inevitably I get someone that says, I love theater. And I say, well, what have you seen recently? And they say, well, I saw Wicked about six months ago. And that's, they consider themselves, they love theater. They saw Wicked one time over a year's period. And so our job, and we represent a lot of theaters in Chicago, our job is to try to make sure 
that audiences are seeing more than one show, that they're experimenting at various theaters, off-loop theaters, um, that we, as I said earlier, that there is enough hitting them from seeing a, a cast perform on TV to them going online and seeing something to social media-wise, which we were quite a bit to impact um, exposure on that front as well, where people feel like they've heard about a show enough times that they have to go see it. So that that is truly our job as as uh, publicists. Well, you guys do a heck of a job. I, I know you were one of the first firms to start sending out uh, YouTube videos uh, for us to put on our reviews, which I think people really like. Thank you. And they, they help, uh, they help promote you. a show. You know, when I read Stephen Sondheim's Finishing the Hat, he started in his preface by saying that he feared that musical theater was dead and uh, that it was a dying art form for people that were out to celebrate an anniversary once a year. Um, and that really depressed me reading that. And I do think I've, I've been representing theater for many years now. I think it's harder to sell theater than it used to be. But that by no means is, is a negative statement. It just means we have to work a little bit harder to, 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 to get the word out. But why do you think that is? I think that our world has become so segmented. It used to be that with WGN and WLS and WBBM, if you got placements, everybody saw that. And, and gosh, back when I was a first starting out as a publicist, if Roy Leonard liked something, then you were golden. It was your, your silver bullet. And it's gotten harder now with people obtaining their news and information in so many different places. And oftentimes I, I look at it as an alphabet soup of you have to put in a little bit of a lot of kinds of ingredients to make a show a hit. And it's a unique formula because it's a, it's a real marriage of what's on stage and the designers and uh, fantastic box office people, and uh, there's it really is a it's a, just a, a large amount of people that that make a show successful. Do you think it's harder to sell musicals or dramas or? Well, I find it interesting that that Chicago Shakespeare and writers uh, have moved into producing musicals now, and I also find it tremendously interesting that the lyric has now. Uh, you know, moved away from uh, opera once a year to put a musical in, in their season. Yeah, they're going to continue to do that from what I have heard. Yeah, I, it's good for everyone. We have so many talented actors working in Chicago, and the more work for them means that we get more talented people staying in Chicago, which is good for everyone that works in, in theater and musical theater. That's true, and, and uh, you're talking about your start at Candlelight. Everybody who's anybody now in theater seem to have gotten to start at Candlelight. <laughs> well, everyone at Candlelight, we all talk about the, the the game sort of, if you will, six degrees of Candlelight because you can, almost any actor working in Chicago is six degrees away from Candlelight, or not only in Chicago, anywhere, is six degrees away from Candlelight. Um, Bill Polinzi had an amazing eye for talent and he cultivated a lot of people along the way and it was a very magical place to work. Um, I started there as an usher. I worked as a manager through college. Um, it was, uh, it was, uh, I made wonderful friendships. My best friend today I, that I met when I was 14, still my best friend. We were ushers together. Um, and I worked uh, with Eileen Lacario as the marketing director. Obviously, Tony D'Angelo, um, co-producer with Bill Palenzi. Um, 
I, Linda Flash, the group sales director who's now at Broadway in Chicago, uh, was a wonderful place for a kid to work. And I'll tell you, for me, uh, as an usher working at the theater, if I wasn't watching a show, I was in the lobby listening to a show, and I had actors like um, like Dale Benson, who used to help me with my homework as a as a high school sophomore. Dale would sit with me with my homework when he wasn't on stage and help me with my homework. So. I, you think of some kids who are off working at McDonald's. I, here I was working there. But the wonderful thing that helped me as a as a publicist now still today is that because, at, like most theaters, you do so many, you wear so many different hats, you do so many different things. And for Candlelight, I ultimately went on to be the season subscription manager, the, the public relations director for the theater. I had been the house manager. I had walk-on roles in in a, sh in a couple shows there. Oh, I didn't know I, that. I, yeah, did, you do huh? just about everything in a, in a theater. And so it when I'm sitting down with a producer, I think I have sort of a unique idea of what it takes to sell a show um, because I've worked internally at a theater for 16 years. Yeah, that years. definitely gives you an insight, yeah. It really does, and it gives you an idea in terms of execution, what's needed, and we try to be very uh, efficient in terms of our dealings with with a producer to, to not put more on them than they already have on their plate and try to make the process from a PR perspective very very easy, easy and user-friendly. Well, that must uh, <clears throat> give you good insights into helping a theater company select their season coming up. Well, it's unique in that, gosh, it's been many years of working in musical theater for me, and so I do have a good idea. We, we represent all of the larger regional theaters, uh, musical theaters in the Chicagoland area, uh, Marriott Theater in Lincolnshire, Drury Lane, Oakbrook Theater at the Center in Munster, Indiana, the Mercury Theater on Southport. So when they're determining their seasons, it is helpful to say over the last 30 years and having a, a, a really true, very good idea of what sell, sells and what doesn't sell in musical theater, I think is helpful often. And those kinds of conversations we do have. Have the demographics changed much? I don't think the demographic has changed, f frankly, at all. I do remember as a 22-year-old working at Candlelight thinking the audiences were older and how would we get younger audiences in, and here I am today still trying to figure that out. Um, but I do think, as I mentioned earlier, I think it's gotten harder to sell theater. I know that I have a tremendous team of people working here. You sure Absolutely do. Absolutely I mean, they are, they are. They are really, I, I got to say that. Anytime I've ever needed anything or a last-minute interview, I can call you guys up and, boy, there's an interview in 10 minutes. It's, mm. it's incredible. I, I don't, I, I'll try not to do that in the future, but it's it's good to know that, it, that you know, in a pinch, you guys are there. Thank you for saying that. That I mean, unbelievably talented people and creative and conscientious. Um, but I, I say to them a lot, I think it's harder for them now because for me, back in the 80s when I started selling theater, it was just, it, it was it was easier. We, we work so much harder as publicists now to try to get audiences in than we did. But again, we can get audiences in, and so that's, that's the positive part of it. It just takes a little more work than it did back then. How much uh, of your job is it to get reviewers out and uh, to help select an opening day, one of our biggest problems is, and, and you represent some of the top theaters, so they get priority, but uh, when there's like the 18th coming up, there's like seven openings that day. That's how do you approach that? <laughs> traffic congestion yeah. in Chicagoland Theater is how we talk about it. It's, it's hard. I mean, <clears throat> the League of Chicago Theaters has a calendar, but 
not all the theaters uh, belong to the League of Chicago Theaters. So often, frankly, Chris Jones and Hetty Weiss and other critics um, we turn to to say, have you heard anything? And we ask to check the calendars that way because it's really, we try not to, to schedule on another theater's opening. And it does happen from time to time because there is so much theater in Chicago. And it's a, it's a problem that from the theater side to the press side, neither party wants it to happen. And so you try to be as conscientious about checking in advance as you can Well, be. that's good advice to give to the young theaters, because I've told a lot of young theaters, I said, don't try and open against Marriott or Drury Lane or Chicago Shakespeare or the Goodman, because you're not going to get all the publicists there. And uh, uh, sometimes you won't get any at all. And, and you're better off opening you know, on a different day. Right. That's right. But but uh, you, you seem to get you seem to have your clients to the point where they don't they might go <laughs> one day after the next but they don't uh, conflict which is good. We're lucky in that. <clears throat> excuse me, I have a <clears throat> cold. Um, we're lucky in that they. Can we keep going? Yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> Sorry, they um, they pick their season so far in advance, so. Yeah, that and that helps quite a bit. Uh, that that would do that. Uh, besides getting, how do you handle when a show gets bad reviews? Now, you're lucky that a lot of the theaters you represent do such quality work. They rarely get bad reviews. But I was mentioning before we went on the air of a, of a current show that got four or five bad reviews. Uh, what do you do in that case? That might happen. Well, you and I were talking briefly about the fact that what, what we do is we start looking at a show then from a direct marketing perspective and who the audience is and how we reach that audience. So we talked specifically about ghosts today. Their objective now would be to how do they reach women. We would do promotions with boutiques and health clubs and restaurants, etc. That makes it, That makes good sense. To, uh, to do that, uh, and I, as a reviewer, sometimes I have uh, given conditional reviews if I think there's a there's a valid audience for for a work that I may not, you know, personally like or or that that uh, from my perspective might not be strong, but it's valid. So you, as a publicist, would then hit on that that segment that would like the show. We would because we'd have to hope that they did not see the reviews and we're just informing them that the show's in town <clears throat> but we're very fortunate as you said we really vet a lot of new theater companies for instance that we work with we we really want to represent high quality shows well that that you do uh, i i'm sure that that's that's not a problem but you've got to tell us some things about some of the shows that that you've been involved in uh I mean, you you've been lucky enough to to do some like the the, the screw tape letters that aren't you representing them uh, across the country? We are. We started representing screw tape four years ago at the Mercury Theater, and uh, Max McLean, the artistic director for the Fellowship for the Performing Arts, decided to take the show on the road, and it became a colossal hit. Um, he's only playing large one thousand to two thousand seat venues. And uh, we've gotten reviews in the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, rave reviews for the production. He's actually mounting a second production called The Great Divorce, which is also by C.S. Lewis. And uh, it's been 
It's been a fabulous experience working on a show. Are you still doing it? We are. We're still doing how it. Many, how, how many years now is it? Four years. Four years. Four years now. Wow. And what we've done with that show, which is very similar to the way that we represent shows in Chicago, is that we not only try to get the traditional sort of reviews, and but we go out and we identify who we think uh, would be likely to attend the show. And in this case, quite often, Christian audiences really like C.S. Lewis. And so we, for instance, if he's playing Dallas or Houston or L.A., we go in, we find the, the pastors of the mega churches. We talk to owners of Christian bookstores, um, homeschool groups, InterVarsity, et cetera. We work and obtain those contacts and develop those relationships, and that's been tremendously helpful for the show uh, and part of its success, frankly, over the last four years. Wow, I didn't realize you go into that kind of depth. Huh? We do. It's yeah. Again, it's what's so needed with uh, getting audiences in. There's so much more work than I think most people uh, think that there is. I ran into an actress recently, and she was saying, yeah, well, I know you take RSVPs, and it's it's so much more than just taking RSVPs. And frankly, and I think you would agree to this, getting the critics out, is it's not as easy as just sending an invitation. It is figuring out what night and what else is opening and really pushing in a lot of cases to, to get you there, to get the theater critics there. That's true. And and to get to get uh, uh, either promotional interviews before the shows or interviews after the shows. I mean, you guys have been fantastic. When I've seen a show that I really thought someone was outstanding or, or that I just felt I needed to get some other kind of promotion. You guys have been so helpful in, in arranging the interviews and, and uh, I've never been turned down by anybody involved in any of the shows that you think. Well, we're, why would we? I, I do yeah. think that there's some publicists who think that they're the Gestapo and, and don't talk to my client and, and, that, and we're the opposite of that here. We're, we're just so grateful when we get someone like you or uh, any other reporter who's who's helping us achieve our goal, which is to sell tickets and to get people into these wonderful productions that we represent. Well, and that's that's our little way of getting back. I mean, I, I look at all, all the nights. You've had years of going to, to Candlelight and, and a lot of other shows. I've had the same thing. We have. I feel we have to get back, and I feel we, we have to develop a, a better audience. There's nothing I feel bad about than going to a show where there's 10 people in the audience, and I've been to those. Well, I think and I think that there's a lot of reasons why I was meant to be in this career, but I can't even begin to tell you. I If I'm at a restaurant, if, I, if I'm on a plane, if I'm at a hotel, and there's not a lot of people, I think, well, how, what could they have done? What, what would I be doing to try to influence this? And so nothing kills me more than being at a theater that isn't full. And so when we're working on a show, that's our objective is in every way possible, how can we get people in to see this? And we do, we'll do talkback panels, we'll do other, we sort of add in other bells and whistles that maybe this will interest uh, this type of person a little bit more. What else can we do to, to, to entice people? How much influence do you have with theater companies when they're picking their season about telling them shows, well, you gotta understand, if you do that show, it's a nice piece of art, but it's going to be almost impossible, or it's going to be really hard for us to get an audience because there is that there is that balance. Well, it's so interesting. Your question is a good one because when a theater decides to do a world premiere, for instance, 
as a publicist, you're salivating. It's you know the press is going to be very interested in new work, and but it might be a little bit harder to sell from a consumer perspective. So that that audience attendee might not be as as inclined to just plunk down this credit card as as he or she might be for a classic musical like Fiddler on the Roof, for instance. So. There's a there's a marriage of that, and certainly when it comes to building subscriptions, you do want to maybe go with three classics and two that are your wild cards. And so you know, going into a season, we kind of know, okay, this is a show that <clears throat> maybe isn't going to appeal to the press as much, but the public will like it. And in that case, we're doing a different marketing program with that show than we are with than with a world premiere. Well, that that's interesting. That also begs the question about when you're selling subscriptions, because some of the theaters you represent have a, have a subscription base, which I think is brilliant. Any theater, if they can, should do that. Do you agree? I do, and I think it's really interesting what's happened with subscription subscriptions over the last five or ten years, because you know, no one was doing a flex pass five or ten years ago, or no one was saying, okay, it's okay, we do have five shows. Uh, here's a three-show season that will sell you. It's changed so much. It's really dynamically changed. But it's all in the effort of selling theater. And I think people's lifestyles have changed so much. It's hard to commit sometimes to five shows a year. Or if you're doing uh, more than one subscription for more than one theater, you want to have flexibility. So I think theaters have really um, embraced that. Is it true? I read a while back that single-ticket sales tend to be younger people and subscription sales tend to be older, more mature people. Is that still true? I don't know the demographic on that. The one thing that I can tell you for sure, having repped this national tour, and, and we've repped a couple other national tours over the last few years, is across the board, people are buying later than they used to. It's so much of week of ticket sales, and I think that it used to be more of an event so I guess I would agree, disagree with Mr. Sondheim on that one. Um, I think that people will just decide, hey, let's Friday night, let's go to Jury Lane, or let's go see a show at the Mercury. Well, it must, Church. you know what verifies that? In my site, my two biggest days of people coming to the site are Mondays <coughs> to see what happened over the weekend and Thursdays. And I couldn't understand for a while Thursdays until I analyzed it and sent some emails out and people saying, well, we're trying to pick what shows for to go see Friday and Saturday. And they're they're making that decision on Thursday. Oh, wow. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We look at that, too, in terms of when we're deploying e-blasts for our clients, when the theater's deploying their own e-blasts. We look at a lot of statistical information, and certainly we're involved with uh, the the theaters in terms of their direct mail campaigns. For instance, for Jury Lane, we design their their 16-page brochure. We work with them every year, and their marketing director. Oh, you do that? There. Yeah. Well, so there's you do a, lot a great of, job with that. Those are those are really nice pieces. Yeah. Well, Kyle DeSantis is he has a very strong aesthetic, and he is very intimately involved with that whole project, and and really manages that. But it's a long project that every year we work on for many months. Well, you're here to be congratulated on it. So I realize a lot of people don't realize that. And you guys write a lot of the ad copy, right, too, and the promotional uh, pieces that are on the websites and in, in the literature, right? We do. We do. We, we do advertising. Um, we, we do social media. Um, and obviously, we do, we, we do our traditional PR services as well. Besides theater, tell us some of the other clients that you have. 
Well, we're very lucky. When I left Candlelight, and I, I very much relate to actors because I left Candlelight after 16 years because I just had to at that point. I, I like many actors, was working two jobs, two full-time jobs. I was working as the PR director during the day and the house manager at night. And even with that, it really wasn't a full-time salary for me, unfortunately. Um, and I didn't have health insurance. So I very, with a sad heart, left Candlelight to go to Hyatt. Regency Chicago, which is Chicago's largest hotel and Hyatt's biggest property. And I was the PR director on site there for five years. And then I left there to start the agency. So the wonderful thing about starting the agency was I got to work with my old theater friends again. And in fact, Tony D'Angelo was one of my first clients with uh, Over the Tavern at the Mercury. Um, Boy, that was a big hit show. Yeah, It ran for a year and a half. It was wonderful. And then uh, Hyatt, uh, Hyatt became my client, and Hyatt is still our client 13 years later. So we, we represent a lot of different hotels in Chicago. We represent the Fairmont Chicago, um, the Broughton Hotel Group. We're opening La Meridian and Oak Brook. Um, we do Massage Envy. They have, I think it's 24 Chicagoland locations. Um, we've also repped a lot of restaurants. We, we currently rep Gayha's Cafe. But um, in the theater category, which is, theater is my passion. It's what I, I love more than anything. I mean, I, I can't believe how incredibly lucky I was to wander into Candlelight as a 14-year-old saying that I was 16, <laughs> lying about my age to get a job. I was, I was so fortunate um, to have my life sort of uh, journey ahead of me then from that, um, that job that I was so fortunate to obtain. Uh, so we, in Chicago, I mentioned the theaters that we represent, but we also represent First Folio Theater, and, uh, and you mentioned Max McLean, who's been a wonderful um, client of ours for, for four years now. Um, we are representing the tour of Celtic Thunder, which has been fun. Yeah, I, I, I thought that was a terrific show. I didn't realize how good that show was till I... They're till great. I saw, they're, yeah. they're so great. And we took them to WGN, and they had a whole bevy of girls outside with posters holding them up which was really fun to see that uh, so yeah we we do mostly hotels and theaters and restaurants those are our categories well it's time for a little commercial if if a theater company or a a, a business in chicago wanted your services how would they contact you well thank you for asking um we're on fullerton 1528 west fullerton the best way is to call us at 773-969 5200 and my email address is nheron at heronpr.com that's great and uh are you currently taking uh, theater companies as clients we are if they do <clears throat> they do good work absolutely we we i love working with emerging theater companies we started working with stage 773 which would i you know our job is to further establish them as a destination in Chicago and their sketch fest which is the nation's largest sketch fest is this weekend and um, it's been wonderful wonderful collaboration with them too it, it's uh, we love working with theaters that are up and coming yeah and they, they do some innovative work over there yeah, Brian Posen yeah Brian's Kristen quite a, I've had him on the interview he's quite a character but he's wonderful yeah, yeah. and Kristen Larson and Jack all, they're all they're all great yeah we've been so fortunate we've we're so fortunate with the caliber of actors that we have in the Chicagoland area, though, as well. I and agree. We I can't, every time I go to New York and I pay the New York prices and 
and see that that we get this wonderful we have wonderful talents in Chicago and it's affordable. It's it's so affordable to attend Chicago theater. Yeah, a lot. Well, take Drury Lane and Marriott Theater that you represent. They're about half the price of some of the downtown touring shows, and their their quality is fantastic. Well, it's interesting when Drury Lane uh, produced Ragtime. The two leads came directly from the New York production of Ragtime, and I had seen that production in New York, and I think I paid two hundred dollars a ticket. And at Drury Lane, the tickets were forty, I think forty-two dollars to see. Yeah, the same, that's the on same, a Saturday night. Cast. Yeah, yeah. So that gives you an idea. Well, that's the basis of of having the subscription audience, right? That that affords that. Absolutely, and I do think too at Drury Lane, particularly though, that Kyle has made a commitment uh, to again mentioning that he has a very strong aesthetic, that he wants everything that's on that stage to be top quality. Well, I remember interviewing him. I think I gave him one of his first interviews that you yes, helped the rate yes. uh, when he took over, and everything he promised he was going to do over the last what, more than five years now, he has done. So, He's so impressive, yeah. and. Terry James at Marriott and um, who's his? Who he said is his mentor. I I could see that, and they have a very good working relationship together. And I, I do think that's what's nice about our musical theater community is that um, there does seem to be that collaboration that exists between working on rights to shows and um, actors and scheduling them in with each other. So well, folks. You just you just heard some good advice uh, from someone who really knows their theater and who you can tell is as enthusiastic about it as any of us. And and Nori, keep up the good work. Oh, thank you. I'm we sorry need... about my voice today. I was actually thinking of canceling because of this cold that I have. So I apologize. Well, you for know that, why but... you wouldn't cancel? The show must go on. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know that, and I do appreciate that. And and thank folks, you. go see a play this week. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.